HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. for Young Farmers by Young Farmers, and today we're talking to Lerner from the Orcas Food Co-op. Lerner Limbach is not only an incredible cooperator and instigator, he's also lately been informing himself very much about agricultural policy in our um, various Democratic candidates for president. So today we're going to begin with the roundup of which president we might be interested to have. Welcome to the show, Lerner. Thanks, Severin, and uh, I just wanted to say uh, thank you for bringing me on to the show, and the timing, uh, you know, was very serendipitous. Um, and uh, also just, uh, you know, thanks for joining us at our Agricultural Summit last February. Uh, we had Severin out to San Juan County, and she was our keynote speaker at our Agricultural Summit. Um, so it's nice to talk to you again. And so the reason the timing for this is really uh, amazing is we had our county convention this past Sunday uh, for the Democratic Party, and that's where all the delegates, the individuals who were elected to represent our uh, county for our candidates got together in a room and had another convention um, to talk about issues and to elect, uh, to to reduce the number down and, and send um, a smaller number of people onto the state convention. Um, so uh, I was elected by our community as one of the four delegates to go on to the congressional district and the state convention. And I am representing Bernie Sanders. And so I wanted to let all of the agricultural community know, which I understand uh, there are some 6,000 listeners to this radio show, um, most of which are going to be farmers, agriculturally-minded people. Uh, the reason that you should care about this campaign is that 
there is a huge difference between the two candidates that are running for the Democratic nomination, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Bernie Sanders um, has a platform on his website, which I'm sure Severin will link to. I'm going to go ahead and just read the uh, summary of the agricultural issues. Um, it takes a few minutes, and I think that it's very important, and I want to broadcast this out there, if that's all right. <clears throat> Can I start that now, Severin? Um, yeah, and I would just take this moment to mention that Greenhorns is a nonpartisan 501c3 um, organization. However, um, many of the farmers in our networks are interested in the Bernie campaign, and we as Greenhorns have been Bernie-heavy in our thinking. And um, we are I personally am going to vote for Bernie if I can. Yeah, and, that's a good point. Uh, Sorry. Back to you, Lerner. Tell us about the policy. Yeah, so, and, yeah, and this is definitely, you know, I have a lot of friends that are Hillary supporters. I They're entitled to their opinion, but this is, you know, this is about agricultural issues, and I think it's really important for people to understand the difference between the candidates and understand what it is that each one is bringing forward. Um, and it happens to be one of the big reasons why I am campaigning. Uh, not only voting, but campaigning. Um, so here it is, the section on improving the rural economy. Okay, give us the platform, Lerner. As someone who has represented a rural state for more than 24 years, improving the lives of rural Americans is a top priority for Senator Sanders. Family farms and ranches are the backbone of rural America and the U.S. economy, Farmers are also among our nation's foremost stewards of our lands and water. Throughout his career, Senator Sanders has successfully fought for innovative rural economic development initiatives, including investments in farm-to-school, in farm-to-table initiatives, agritourism programs, school gardens, large-scale biomass-fired electric plants, shared agricultural processing and storage facilities, and anaerobic digesters to process cow manure into methane gas. Senator Sanders will fight for farm policies that will foster the entry of a new generation of owner-operators. He will not back away from land stewardship standards that include the Commonwealth of Clean Water for All. As President, Senator Sanders will adopt policies that will make sure that family farmers and rural economies thrive, expand support for young and beginning farmers, produce an abundant and nutritious food supply, establish an ongoing regeneration of our soils, and enlist farmers and partners as partners in promoting conservation and stewardship to keep an air and water clean, to keep our air and water clean and to combat climate change. Um, in his section on family farms instead of factory farms, Senator Sanders believes that we need more family farms, not more factory farms. In an un uh, it is unacceptable that just four corporations control 82% of the nation's beef cattle market, 85% of soybean processing, and 63% of pork processing. It is unacceptable that there are over 300,000 fewer farmers than there were 20 years ago. It is unacceptable 
that the top 10% of farms collect 75% of farm subsidies, while the bottom 62% do not receive any subsidies, we have to adopt policies that will turn this around. In his section on supporting agriculture, in 1966, farmers received 40 cents for every dollar Americans spent on food. Today, they only receive 16 cents on the dollar. As President Senator Sanders will reverse this trend by, one, fighting for America's small and mid-sized farms. Abraham Lincoln called the United States Department of Agriculture the People's Department, and Senator Sanders will ensure that the agency lives up to its name by expanding its services for new and underserved farmers. Two, encouraging the growth of regional food systems. Farmers throughout the country are boosting their bottom line and reinvigorating their communities by selling directly to local consumers, institutions, and restaurants. Senator Sanders will invest in this movement, helping Americans support local farms. Three, reversing trade policies like NAFTA that have flooded the American market with agricultural products produced in countries with less stringent environmental labor and safety regulations. And four, enforcing our country's antitrust laws against large agribusiness and food corporations. A few large companies dominate many agricultural industries, allowing them to force unfair prices on farmers. Senator Sanders will stand up to these corporations and fight to ensure that farmers receive fair prices. Thank you for letting me read that whole thing. Um, so I like it how he keeps talking about the movement. That's pretty awesome. What else are you responding to um, in that policy? Well, so and what, maybe you can put it in the context of your own work supporting infrastructure for local food consumption, totally. distribution, and production in the San Juan Islands. Yes, all over that. So um, what really stood out to me as I read this um, months ago, uh, last year really, was um, the re- how, how much the language that he's using in his platform resembles the language that I have used and that my um, collaborators have used to write up our plans uh, for our own projects in our community. Um, we received a grant for $25,000 last fall to develop a food hub uh, in the San Juan Islands, and we've been writing a business plan for that and doing um, and doing our feasibility study. Uh, that's that money was funded uh, through the Farm Bill, through the USDA, um, as part of a, a, a local uh, food producer uh, promotion program. And um, so we need to fight to expand that funding so that more communities have that opportunity. We're applying for another grant this year, and we're hoping to take our business plan and now implement it um, and what that, what the Food Hub does is exactly what Bernie Sanders is saying he wants to do, which is to um, expand the markets for the small and mid-sized farms and to, and to increase the amount of revenue from the final sold product that's going to the farmer. Um, because right now, 
the farmers, uh, they can sell direct, but the vast majority of food is consumed in commercial outlets. Uh, in the in the United States, 99% of uh, the food consumed is is consumed is is purchased from um, non-direct uh, avenues. So, um, for instance, uh, I, I started and I run the Orcas Food Co-op, uh, which is a small co-op. We do um, last year we did 2.3 million dollars in sales. Um, we have 25 employees. Um, we are the, uh, the the number one purchaser of local products in our county. Uh, we try really hard to uh, to prioritize local products, um, but we're an anomaly because, and a lot of food co-ops around the country do have the same values, and they're and, but they're kind of the exception. And and so the issue is that larger stores and restaurants. Um, that don't necessarily have the same, you know, philosophical values that uh, that we do. That some some you know co-ops and some other businesses have is that it's a lot of work to coordinate with every single uh, individual producer, and especially if you're just getting one box of lettuce from them, um, or you know, one product, or you're getting a product from one farmer one week and another farmer another week. Um, so they're simply not willing to do all of that. Uh, legwork, and so what we found in we've confirmed in our feasibility study is that the main challenge uh, to connecting the local products to the, the markets is the coordination and the distribution. And so that's what the food hub does. And um, basically, what this campaign is about is um, saying. You know why is it that we have this food crisis? We have this agricultural crisis going on in our country. We have the average age of farmer is 60 or 58, um, and getting older. Uh, new farmers are struggling to get into farming and stay in farming. Um, a lot of the farmers that have started have uh, the statistics. You know, show that a lot of them uh, five years later are no longer farming. So it, it's hard to get into farming and succeed. And so why is it that we are and we're facing climate change? So why is it that we're that we're still using twenty billion dollars a year to subsidize large scale agribusiness uh, conventional agriculture practices that are not sustainable uh, and not and not investing in uh, or not investing very much, a very small sliver of the pie in to uh, these local and regional food systems and small to mid-sized family farms, um, and he reiterates it over and over again in this in, in his platform. And um, so, what this is about is 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 doing a complete reversal of what's currently happening. And that's um, you know it's not going to happen overnight, but um, the beauty of of this campaign is that. Uh, it's really not just about getting out and voting. It's about getting out and and getting involved in in campaigning and and um, so that's what's happening right now. And you know, got me involved. Um, and I know a lot of people that have been uh, motivated by by this campaign. And it's really 
it's really not about Bernie Sanders. It's about the, the issues that are part of the platform and uh, the way that it's uh, gotten uh, so many people involved and so many people to go out and, and take action is is very powerful, and that's really what's what's going to make this stuff actually a reality. <clears throat> so, so um, I feel like there's a theory of change thing happening here, and there's an alignment with a lot of us who are interested in building a new food economy or building a regional food economy on, inside the old economy, which is... Um, much of it is to do with uh, producerist attitudes um, of efficiency and scale and global trade and commodi- commodity export. And those have been the kind of key drivers and the theory of change for the USDA and the Farm Bill program and uh, from a foreign policy perspective. And so that trickles down into all of our um, communities in a certain way, I'm standing around here looking out on irrigated uh, alfalfa fields and pecan orchards, um, deep wells of producers who are coming from out of state and installing those um, high-input, high-water-use crops for export. And in every region, you can look around and you can easily see what are the groups, what are the groups of crops that are going out into the world and what are the groups of crops that are being consumed more within the locality and within the region? And you were talking a little bit about the complexities that are being that are that are part of coordinating that more regional trade, and some of the programs that it, you've been talking about the value added producer grant and these cooperative development grants um, that do exist that are the little part of the pie that we operate from. Um, so here you are being political and um, getting campaigning, and um, I wonder how you are approaching the campaign and maybe a little bit about how you think others of us who are selling our products to local markets and who are having a high level of touch with potential voters could express our solidarity um, other than a bumper sticker. Um, could we, hmm, let's think about it. I have some ideas. Yeah. Um, what are your ideas? Well, my idea is that um, farmers markets are a very good place, and CSA letters that go home every week with the vegetables are a very good place for getting um, this conversation going. You know, if we look around at the cultural influencers in this country, you know, from Hollywood to Wall Street, uh, a lot of them are buying food from friends of ours in the Young Farmers Movement and believe in the Young Farmers Movement. And to the extent that we're able to be self-aware about our political influence um, or to gain some co- coordinated political influence, that seems pretty strategic. Yeah. What about you? What do you think should happen? Definitely. I mean, I think... You know, one of my biggest priorities was is you know going forward is to make sure that as many people are are informed as possible. And I think so. Step one is you know get informed. Um, you know, read this information. Go on to Bernie's website. Um, you know, do the research. And um, there's also a lot of coordinated information sharing within the campaign. We can if people want to contact me or just go to um, 
the Bernie site and go to there's some volunteer links and there's there's a lot of ways to get to the get to a contact um, even contact in your so area. Um, one of the things about this this election and the timing of it is that it's also happening at a critical inflection point um, in the history of the U.S. agriculture and. You know, we know that in the last 10 years, about $60 billion have been paid out to the top 10% of agricultural producers in terms of crop insurance payments. And so um, those crop insurance payments are often being made to people who are uh, suffering from climate problems such as drought or flood. And drought and flood um, is really most of the reason that people are claiming crop insurance and drop in um, Drought and flood are both related to changing climate. And so we have a changing climate. We have a change in the demographics of ownership. Um, Since 70% of farmland is owned by people over the age of 65, the the decisions about stewardship and the kind of farming that is happening on our farmland is changing rapidly and it has to respond to... um, a changing climate. And uh, I wonder if you could make an argument for why the theory of change that Bernie holds and the theory of change that many of us in the Young Farmers Movement hold makes sense um, from a food security, from a national, from a food sovereignty perspective. Like, what are your arguments for why we should reorient our food system to be more sustainable? Well, there's a, I mean, there's a lot. So, I mean, just you know, soil soil erosion, carbon sequestration is um, known to be um, more effective on smaller uh, sustainable farms, not on mass, you know, mass tracts of tilled land with chemicals and, you know, conventional agriculture. So we, we know that. Um, and uh, the other thing is that when it comes to seeds, you know, what they're doing in conventional agriculture, they're using you know, often one variety on a huge amount of land. Uh, it's some, you know, a lot of it is genetically modified in the commodity crops um, or highly uh, bred. Um, those those varieties are less resilient to climatic change because they were they're developed um, they're developed for these specific uh, uh, you know conditions that we have now and the climate changes. And really, what you need is resiliency. Um, and that happens on a on a regional level much easier than it happens you know on a national uh, level when you're just when you're making this uh, you know genetically modified variety of uh, a crop and then selling the seed you know nationally on a huge scale um, if there's a problem with that it's not going to be able to adapt to all the the conditions you know drought one year wet one year so uh, what what local and regional Seed companies are doing and plant breeders are doing is they're is they're trying to build uh, they're trying to breed resiliency into the genetics of the of the seeds and um, so that's that's one component of it you cannot do that on a large scale system it's it's inherently uh, flawed in that way um, so that's one way um, the other thing is the uh, the resiliency in communities that happens when you build the local and regional food system. Um, Monsanto is the exact opposite of uh, 
a, a sustainable and resilient food system. What Monsanto wants to do is to um, expand the reach of the large-scale uh, agribusiness and the large-scale conventional farms, and they want to control uh, the food supply. And it's, you know, Roundup and other chemicals and the tilling and everything about it is basically literally eroding uh, the soil and it's eroding our, our agricultural uh, potential. And, um, and, and this is where... Uh, you know, the Clinton campaign and, and the Sanders campaign are on complete opposite sides of the spectrum. And um, so it's important to, I don't, you know, I don't like to get into a lot of negative, you know, campaigning or anything, but, but there's a couple of facts that um, it's important to realize um, in that uh, the Clinton campaign is, uh, you know, has gotten a lot of funding from Monsanto um, they're closely tied together. In 2014, she spoke at uh, the, the International Biotech Conference, and she was paid several hundred thousand dollars. And at that conference, she she promoted uh, the use of GMOs. And um, there's you can find that online if you just Google search. Um, it's quite easy. Um, and so there she is, you know, saying, you know, we need to be using these technologies. We need to not have GMOs uh, be labeled. Um, and, and you know, and she's going and, and just taking contributions from Monsanto, and she's going and making speeches at the biotech conferences. Um, Bernie Sanders is the complete opposite. Um, and, you know, right now in his campaign, because it's moving to California, he's talking about um, he's come out and said, you know, why is it that, uh, you know, 67 or so countries around the world require, uh, they have mandatory GMO labeling and the United States doesn't. Um, and it's a shame right now that, uh, that the Trans-Pacific Partnership, um, is being negotiated in secret and, you know, they're trying to move that forward um, when it's potentially going to uh, enable corporations like Monsanto to sue governments, foreign governments, or our own states, um, such as Vermont, if they try to uh, require labeling of GMO foods. Um, Bernie's been opposed to that the whole time. Hillary has been uh, promoting uh, the TPP the whole time. Now she says it needs a little work, but um, that's not, uh, it's basically disingenuous. Um, so anyway, kind of went on a tangent there. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead and ask another question. Well, I think the point is that there's a really different theory of change as far as the future of land management in this country. You know, we haven't even gotten into our public lands, which is another um, little bit more than 400 million acres of land, which is being mined uh, for various minerals and also for oil in our state land, which are being logged. And the management of all of these lands not only contributes to the way that our, um, our whole society is able to cope with climate change 
Um, it is also our land, <laughs> and our land has really not been a major um, consideration largely in the polit- political debate. And I wonder if even if the um, convention goes in the Clinton direction, if it's time to make land an issue for Hillary and uh, as it has been for Bernie. Um, and obviously well, that will happen when the time comes. But it, it seems like letting candidates get away with uh, anti-li- a policy that's anti-life, that is anti-the life of the soil, anti the agricultural life of small communities, um, and anti the life of our large public lands um, through these, you know, highly subsidized mining permits, is eroding our ecological infrastructure and exacerbating the negative impacts of climate change and flooding and drought events, et cetera. So I feel like even no matter what happens between the Democrats, um, we have got to do a better job as a food and local farm economy and local economy and social justice, all the movements in getting land, land policy and land use policy, federal lands policy, um, higher up on the political scale. Exactly. And I mean, so, I just wanna, before huh? we get off, I just want to thank the, I totally agree with what you're saying and, and, and just want to thank you and the Greenhorns for, for fighting for that for so long because, because um, really, I mean, that you guys already are, you know, this grassroots uh, force and I've already seen a lot of positive changes coming out of that. So, it's really just so. Um, so one of the um, one of the one of the conversations we haven't yet had, and we don't have very much more time, is what's happening in the San Juan Islands, <laughs> and um, your roles are you have quite a number of roles there, um, and they're interrelated. Um, how about tell us kind of where you've come, just in your short little career there and, you know, showing up in the San Juan, what you saw, you know, was needed and what you were able to accomplish. Yeah. Um, so I have lived uh, in the San Juan Islands since 2001 and did a little traveling early on, but um, really been settled there for the last 10 years, pretty solid. And I just decided that, you know, if I can just put down my roots and have an impact here, then that's probably the most useful thing I can do with myself. So um, that was kind of how I started operating 10 years ago. Um, initially, I was farming, and uh, you know, I raised goats, and I had um, I did a lot of various uh, farmy kind of homesteady um, permaculture, all kinds of activities. Um, gradually, though, over the years, I started getting more community um, involved, and, and at one point. Uh, ran a program called Farm Education and Sustainability for Teens, um, which I didn't start, but I kind of I just was able to adopt for a year or two, and um, working with high school students. And so I just started getting more integrated in the, in the community and less, you know, on the ground actually growing food. And and one of the reasons for that, um, I guess the reason for that is that I, I just know that we're in such a critical time and we can't just go farm and, you know, I, I couldn't just go and hide out on my farm and feel like I was doing enough. And 
So although, I mean. although I would make yeah. a point because often I'm getting this thing like, oh, Severin, it's so good. You don't just go and farm and you're going <laughs> out and coordinating and speaking. Yeah. And I'm like, damn it. I wish I could go and farm. I know. Well, <laughs> and it's equally important yeah. work, and we have to be very careful in our framing because there's so much hierarchical down nose looking about agriculture, yeah. and it's got to stop with us. And I know you're not doing it, but I just am sensitive to the topic. Continue with yeah. your story. I'm sorry for the interruption. Yeah, no, I agree with you once again, and thanks for bringing that up. I mean, I it's a it's a void in my life right now, which is. Um, I'm eventually I'm going to fill. I mean, I'm still trying to farm. Uh, I'm not farming right now because, uh, you know, just can't. But um, definitely the desire is there. And um, and I, I am so grateful for everybody who is farming. And, and this is more about, you know, finding my, uh, not that other people should stop farming, but that my, you know, my gift to the world, I guess, I, I've, just been realizing. Well, let's years. just face it, Learner. You're really good at spreadsheets. I'm good at I mean, you're a little tiny co op on a little tiny island that's doing more than $2 million in sales after such a short amount of time. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, you're really... a baller at the business side. So <laughs> I don't, I'm, I don't, sorry that it made you feel like you had to say an excuse because shit. Yeah. If everybody could do spreadsheets like you could, we'd have a hell of a lot more co op. Well, it's, you know, it's partly about spreadsheets, and I had some great spreadsheet, um, you know, tutors and stuff like that. But um, I think that, you know, it's it's partly about, um, you know, people skills and getting out there and, you know, really uh, just being able to, to bring people together around an issue. Um, and for me, you know, the issue is food. And um, I just found that, you know, if I with my determination and my just desire to change the food system that people would rally um, behind me. And that's, uh, you know, originally I started organizing the Orcas Food Co-op project and was not expecting to be um, managing the co-op after it opened. I just thought, you know, I'll help get it going. Um, and, you know, it's just been a learning process for me in just realizing, like, okay, I just need to be, I just need to be willing to take on this leadership role and um, so I've grown from this very reluctant um, leader to still definitely having some reluctance, but being a lot more accepting of that, that that's just what I'm doing. It doesn't mean that, you know, that it's you know, more important or anything than anybody else uh, or, or somebody just farming. Um, it's, it just is what I'm doing. I'm, and I'm sorry that I'm not farming. You know, it's like I want to farm also, but um, I think this is, you know, the way that I can be helpful. And so, um, so, you know, the reason that I'm on the boards and the committees and, you know, more boards and subcommittees and working groups and is uh, just using those same skills. And, and basically, I'm just kind of doing the same thing on every committee that I'm on. It's not like, uh, you know, incredibly complicated or anything. It's just that... Uh, you know, basically, I want to uh, help inc- increase the effectiveness of these different groups, and um, and so, you know, if I if I get an opportunity to to be helpful, then um, then I take it. I'm trying to keep everything because um, there's a lot to do. I'm trying to stay oriented towards agricultural issues um, in in my community and in San Juan County. There happens to be a lot of um, momentum right now, and a lot. 
a lot taking place, and so I mean, that's kind of you know why I'm really busy. Um, but we've got the Food Hub uh, project that um, I'm just one of five uh, people on the on the project development team there. Um, really amazing collaboration um, between our uh, food co-op, the Agricultural Resources Committee, uh, the San Juan County Agricultural Guild, the Northwest Agriculture Business Center, um, and the WSU uh, Agricultural Extension. Um, and so we have basically we've built these broad collaborations. Um, I'm the chair currently of the Agricultural Resources Committee, and um, that gives me a avenue uh, to kind of learn about um, policy that affects agriculture in San Juan County, and that's been a great learning opportunity. Um, and we also we help organize the Agricultural Summit and things like that, um, work with farmers to help them through issues that they're facing, you know, um, if they're uh, just having challenges with um, the tax assessor or you know, wanting to build farmer crowding or, you know, they have questions about that stuff, we try to uh, try to direct them um, the right way. I, I recently joined the Northwest Agriculture Business Center um, because they, they serve five counties, and it was a way for me to kind of, to you know, serve this great, you know, this great organization that um, provides technical assistance for agricultural um, businesses, and um, and also a way for me to learn more and just grow, you know, um, in my my abilities, um, so that I can be, you know, better service. Um, the Northwest Agriculture Business Center is also the rural cooperative development center for the Northwest, and so money flows through uh, the USDA to the Northwest Agriculture Business Center, and they're the designated um, rural cooperative development center. So. Um, that's also really exciting, and and I believe that uh, we're entering into an age of a new cooperative economy, and I think that um, agriculture is a huge part of that. And so having those two together is is really great. You know, for me, I feel like I'm working. I agree with your analysis, and I have to wrap us up because we just went a little over time. Did I just interrupt you? No, no, yeah, no, go ahead. I'm just glad. Well, um, I'm agreeing with your analysis that this has begun in agriculture, but it's not only happening in agriculture, even though that's where we are. Um, and it's happening in, in software world, and it's happening in local economic platforms. It's even happening within spiritual communities that are... Um, facilitating new new economy initiatives of young people. Um, But, so, and we have to conclude uh, that during the talk I gave in San Juan, I spontaneously said something that I really agree with and have continued to spontaneously say, which is that we are sitting here inside the architecture, inside an economy um, that was built through extraction and extraction of lumber in your case of your region, extraction of gold in California, extraction of various commodities over the years through agriculture. And so we're all kind of the daughters of extraction, and we're all complicit in that economic history. And, so, um, and in many places, the natural wealth of those ecosystems and of those regions has 
become depleted. Um, and it feels like a lot of the work of coordinating and organizing and recalibrating and reconstituting a new economy um, is a management job, management-intensive job. And so um, we can consider ourselves as managers of contraction. Um, and actually, in, uh, in the spirit of the managers of contraction hat, the manager's contractor hat, I, I ordered a URL, and it's for sale. It's called www.makeamericasmallagain.com. And um, I'm willing to take bids. All, all money will benefit the Greenhorn. But I figured that it's time to speculate on contractions since peak everything seems to be happening pretty shortly. Uh, thank you for dealing with my diversion. And, um, Lerner, it's such a great pleasure to see uh, you and know of your work. And um, anyway, it's very impressive. And if you're ever in the San Juan Islands, I'm sure that you can go over there because it's open to the public and drop some cash. <laughs> yes, it's still open to the public. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Lerner. Thanks, Severin. Bye bye. See you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.